Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu I. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. And today we have a special guest with us. His name is Pastor Chris Fauche. He is the pastor of Sites and Services at uh, C4 Church. It's a church out in the Durham region. So that's the area of Pickering, Ajax, Whippy, Oshawa. It's east um, of Toronto there. So he's on the podcast with us today. And he has so much uh, experience and knowledge that he brings to our conversation. Yeah, Emily, absolutely. And, you know, we're excited about this, uh, this uh, podcast because Chris, you know, has for years been uh, someone that's influenced a lot of people in the creative space and the worship space mm-hmm. within the church uh, world and um, through his blog and, uh, and as well as well as online. He was telling us, I think his uh, Twitter and Instagram handle is Chris from Canada. And uh, so that was, uh, that was funny because I guess uh, he goes out to the U.S. a lot as well. And uh, you know how it is, right? When you go to the U.S. and people are like, oh, so do you know so-and-so from Alberta, right? And they have no context of how big the country is sometimes. (laughs) But uh, uh, no, Chris is a a great, uh, great uh, guy to talk to. I think we really enjoyed the conversation with him, especially listening to his story, Emily. I think that Mm -hmm. really inspired me, encouraged me. You know, he grew up in a non-Christian context and uh, you know, I thought it was amazing just to see how God, uh, you know, had this thread through his life. He was telling us of different people that were in his life that were Christians mm-hmm. and how God sort of used them eventually, uh, you know, his, uh, his friends in high school and through a, through a youth retreat, uh, how as a young person, he came to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And even his story of just, uh, you know, you'll hear in the podcast him talking about um, being taking steps of faith and just having that courage and how God has used that for him to now be able to pour that into other people. And that's really what living missionally is about. When we don't take those steps of faith, it not just affects our lives, but it affects those that we would have influence over. Absolutely. There's so many, so many nuggets of truth. And probably the thing that stood out to me the most uh, is, you know, when he said, say yes, just say yes to God, you know, and uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you know somebody that is called, that has the call of God in their life, has, you know, uh, potential that God has called them to do things in ministry, to fulfill uh, God's mission uh, in the world, you need to let them know to check this podcast out because I think there's a lot of uh, people in the church, Emily, I feel, especially younger people that have incredible talents, but because they don't say yes to the seemingly smaller opportunities, mm-hmm. they never mm-hmm. get into, they never right. align themselves yeah. or position themselves so God can really get them to what he really wants them to do down the road. And I think that that was one of those nuggets of truth that we got from the, from the podcast. Mm-hmm. So let's bring on our special guest. So everyone, we've got Pastor Chris Vache. Uh, here with us on the Mission Connect podcast today. Pastor Chris, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thank you. So, uh, Pastor Chris, I mean, you are with C4 Church, and uh, your, uh, your title is Pastor of Sites and Services. Um, that's very creative, obviously, and you can, probably you can start off telling us uh, a little bit about C4 Church and what you do at the church. Yeah, so C4 is a multi-site church in Durham region, which is east of Toronto, Pickering, Ajax, Whippy, Oshawa. Uh, We've been a church for, we've been here in this location in Ajax for about 30 years. Two years ago, we launched a site in Port Perry, and uh, early 2018, we're going to launch a site in Bowmanville, and it's out of this big dream that we believe the Lord's given us uh, to be a regional church of 10,000 people meeting physical, emotional, and spiritual needs in Jesus' name. We put that as a vision statement on everything, and uh, we believe the Lord's called us to do that and, and asked us to kind of be faithful to this mission and vision through, you know, faithful preaching of the gospel and discipling believers and seeing people serve out of their spiritual gifts. And yeah, it's a pretty incredible place to do ministry. I'm so grateful. So I've been here for three and a half years. I came as the worship pastor okay. and then uh, I'm, I moved into a role as the creative arts pastor to oversee all creative ministry uh, here at the church. And then in January, uh, we had a big restructure. So now I oversee everything that happens in our worship services or our worship mm-hmm. ministry, all of our production. I work really closely with our preaching pastor. 
on sermon series. And then I also oversee our multi-site philosophy and operations. So we have site pastors. Our young adults ministry is more like a site than a youth group. So our young adults pastor, uh, young adults ministry is under me and uh, work with our worship leaders. And it's just, it's a really fascinating place to do ministry. I love the people I get to work with. I love the ministry that the Lord here uh, has for us here. And just to see how God is using our church to man, impact our region and change people's lives and allow people to find hope and healing and forgiveness and restoration through Christ is, it's amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. It's, it's uh, an incredible place. And you know, C4 church is uh is a fantastic church from everything I've heard about the church. And if in a Canadian context, it's actually a mega church. So it's got a lot of influence, not just in the number of people that attend, but because of the number of people that come in, the, the stuff that you guys do in ministry uh, I know we chatted a little bit before we went live um, on uh, just your pastor, your heart for the city of Toronto, and um, and you're really a leading church, you know, I think, uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah, we believe God's really called us to, I mean, do real faithful ministry and do sort of the work of the ministry and discipleship within the walls of the church, so to speak, here in Durham region, but then also outside of the walls of the church, specifically in our preaching ministry, in our worship ministry, and in our prayer ministry. So, yeah, our pastor's working on a book, a few books, and he gets to go and speak at conferences. Our worship ministry, we just released our first uh, album of original songs, and wow. we've been able to do some events across Canada and overseas. And that's really, it's, it's still out of the same heart and the same mission and vision where we really believe God has, yeah, has, has given us his invitation to encourage, motivate, whatever the right word is. I mean, really just to, to speak into the larger Canadian context and to fan into flame some things that might be happening in other places uh, and to see God just, yeah, like broaden the horizons of the ministry here is pretty, is pretty awesome. And, you know, the truth is, Chris, that um, you're also pretty famous online. I mean, your blog <laughs> has had a lot of, uh, lot of views, a lot of worship leaders, worship pastors, creative pastors follow you. So tell us a little bit about that journey just to, just to you know, highlight how that sort of happened and, uh, and, you know, and what God's doing through that. Because that's a ministry. I, yeah. I look at it and I think that's a ministry in and of itself as well. Yeah. Uh, as you're inspiring, uh, inspiring leaders, uh, probably all over the world. Yeah. I mean, like, like a lot of worship leaders. So I'm an early adopter. I'm willing to jump in and try new things. And so when social media was sort of really starting to kick into high gear and when, when blogging actually, like when people were really <laughs> online famous for blogging, mm -hmm. I, I started blogging I mean, probably about 10 years ago. And it really was just to share what we were doing in our local church context at the time I was at a church in Orangeville on the other side of Toronto mm -hmm. and just wanted to share ideas. We were doing some things that were interesting and I was always learning from people who were writing and sharing online. I thought, man, I don't think we're doing anything revolutionary, but I think we're doing some interesting things and I know some people would be willing to, they'd, they'd want to learn from this. And so started doing that and really just saw people. Yeah people really did learn and they really did benefit. And so it, it became this way to just serve more people and really encourage more people. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's opened up relationships with people really all around the world. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, blogging, yeah, it, it, the, it sort of waned off a little bit. I've tried to pour more energy into creating resources for people. So about a year ago, created a, a weekly worship team Bible study. I kept hearing from worship leaders. They were looking for just ways to spend more time in scripture with their worship team. So mm -hmm. created this free worship team Bible study for people that they wow. would just sign up and every week they get an email in their inbox and it's got a little short devotional and some questions and a prayer and it's designed specifically for worship teams. Man, like some of that stuff is thanks to technology. It's just so easy now. Mm -hmm. And the reach of it is, is global as soon as you put stuff online. That's right. And so uh, I'm really grateful that, you know, I can, I have that opportunity to pour energy into that. And just to hear the stories of how that impacts people, I mean, literally all around the world and just to be amazed at how God would use, you know, some ideas that we've got on how to do some stuff to really change the trajectory of, of some ministries all around the world is pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. It's really humbling, wow. actually. Well, let's put a plug in for that resource. How do the, mm -hmm. if someone's yeah. listening to it right now, how do they get that? Yeah. that it's super easy. So my site is chrisvashley.com. You can go there and get a bunch of resources. Specifically, if you go to worshipteambiblestudy.com, that's easy. It's the worshipteambiblestudy. Wow. You just go and to worshipteambiblestudy.com. 
just sign up and then it just it hits your inbox automatically every Tuesday morning for 52 weeks. And it takes you through the entire book, uh, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's designed specifically for worship leaders and worship teams. Wow. Worshipteambiblestudy.com. That's a great, uh, that's a great domain. I'm surprised uh, that was still available a year ago. I mean, so. like, I guess, I guess some SEO work to do on that one, but no, it's a good <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. So here you are today. You've kind of given us a bit of background about your role right now, how you're connecting leaders and in kind of this circle of influence. So bring us uh, kind of through that journey from the beginning. What is your story? How did you come to faith in Christ? Yeah, I grew up in Ottawa. Uh, my brother and I, with my mom, I grew up in a single parent family. And uh, my mom was a teacher, took, you know, really, really great care of us. My dad passed away when I was really young. So we didn't have a uh, dad in my life and in my family. Um, I was really musical. Both of my parents were music teachers. So I sort of didn't have a choice. Uh, piano lessons right away, like the quintessential Canadian kid story. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, uh, I, should, I mean, also in that we had zero church connection like zero church connection. We never set foot in church. We didn't, you know, we didn't occasionally go to church. We never went to church. We had, we had no relationship with any Christians at all. Um, I mean, I tell this story sometimes that when I was, uh, when I was 12 years old, I remember watching football on TV and seeing a guy in the stands holding up a sign that said John three sixteen, And I had no idea what that was or what it meant, but I knew it was from the Bible. And we had a Bible on our shelf and so I went and grabbed it and, you know, went to the index and found John in 316 and read the verse for God so loved the world, the kids only begotten son. And my first thought was, what in the world does it have to do with football? Like there was, there was no spiritual grid. There was no lens for me at all to understand spiritual things. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I was really involved in the music program at our high school. And one of the music teachers was married to a pastor um, and my piano teacher at the time was the music director at the same church. And so, you know, you look back and you see how God starts to weave this divine conspiracy together and bring all these stories together in high school. I just had some friends who loved Jesus and loved building friendships with people who didn't know Jesus. And so started attending youth group and just over time heard the gospel. Um, And when I was 17 on a youth retreat was just sort of presented with this really plain reality of like, you've heard the gospel, you, you know who Jesus is, you know how he loves you, you know, you know you who you are in light of that. And so uh, you, you now have to respond to that. And so I did. And when I was in grade 12 on a youth retreat, gave my life to Christ. And um, because I was musical and I was already serving on the worship team for our youth ministry, and then just, it, yeah, that just sort of grew from there. So yeah, so that's, that's really the, that's really my story is I was, you know, out of this single parent family and just loved by people who love Jesus and gave my life to Christ when I was high school, in high school. That's incredible. Uh, you know, Chris, I'm listening to you and I'm, um, it, it is so encouraging to hear your story because uh, we live in a country today in Canada where, you know, people say it's, you know, we, we, we're past in many circles, I guess, the God conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know what, there's not a lot of hope because, you know, we have too many kids that are growing up in, in, uh, in homes and families, um, more so than, the, than, say, the last, you know, couple of decades uh, that never go to church, have no connection to church. And so uh, basically saying the chances of uh, seeing a revival in our nation is really small because you have a new generation coming up that is uh, very much disconnected from the the God conversation, and yet listening to your story and how God uh, just sort of weaves this this thread through our lives, you know, through different people and different contexts. I, I I'm actually reminded of um, Mark Clark. We had him on the podcast a couple a few weeks ago, and I know you're friends with Mark. And uh, same, I mean, a similar story. You know, grew up in in Ajax and you know, no connection to God, never went to church uh, and all of that. And yet through friends, I think for him, it was high school friends as well that shared Christ with him and uh, what a radical change in his life as well. So, I, I, you know, it's very encouraging to hear that, um, that, uh, that no matter what our culture is like, no matter what our upbringing is like, where our family's at, if they went to church or not, if we had a Bible or not, if we read the Bible or not, if we knew what John 3.16 meant or not, <laughs> that God, you know, would, um, 
would find ways to, to intervene in our lives and to uh, place people there. And so, uh, you know, uh, if you, Chris, if you could talk to a, a young person, uh, you know, I don't know, teenager, maybe young adult, who has sort of bought into this um, thought process that, you know what, I got to keep my faith private because honestly, my faith is not celebrated, welcomed in the public square, be it at school, be it at university, be it at work, be it with my friends that grew up with in high school. They know I'm a Christian. Like, you know, they know I go to church and stuff, but I don't think I should bring it up because it's just not welcomed. It's just not there. And I should probably just keep it private. How would you encourage that, that person to say, hey, you know what? You never just, you just never know what God can do. You know, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I go in a couple of directions. One would be, you know, at some point, whether it was you or your parents or your parents' parents or how back how many generations, I mean, at some point, somebody shared the gospel with somebody in your family. And yeah, it might have been in a context where, you know, our whole town is Christian or whatever the scenario was. Mm-hmm. But you've got to remember, I mean, there's probably not a direct link from Jesus and the 12 to your family. Right. This hasn't always been the, the, the history of, of your ancestors. Mm. And so at some point, you know, you are the fruit of some conversation that happened. Who knows how long ago? And it might be your parents. Uh, it might not, it might be not that long ago. Um, or it might be you, you know, you might, you might be, uh, you know, and I think I, even I wrestled with that for a, for a long time. And in some ways I still do, man. Like, um, I mean, I'm the only, I'm still the only Christian in my entire extended family. And so I still wrestle with some of that stuff. I, I mean, I'm in a past, I'm a pastor there. There's no secret of my faith and, and how that, how that plays out in my world. But I mean, I still have lots of conversations with my extended family about how this all works and how this makes sense. Um, so I would say, you know, remember your own family history and that at some point somebody was faithful to the call of God and shared the gospel with somebody <laughs> way back when right. the other thing would be, I mean, the, I think sometimes there's a, there's a pressure and this might be self-inflicted, but you know, this idea that, you know, the one who shares the truth of the gospel with that person has got to have it all figured out and has to have all the answers and has to live this perfect life of complete holiness. And I, I, my experience has been like, people are not expecting that of Christians when we talk about who Christ is with them. It, that might be presented sort of in media. And I think the church might place some of that pressure. We might put it on ourselves, but man, when you start talking to people about the real difference that Jesus makes in your life, or, you know, when you, when, if you're able with friends to, to understand like, Hey, do, have you ever thought about like you're created that way by a God who had amazing intentions for you and every talent, every ability you have is actually from, God to be used ultimately for his purposes in your life. I think some, I, you know, if sometimes the mentality is that the gospel conversation always has to start with, you know, you are a great sinner in need of a great redeemer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's the conversation we talk about, like what, that our culture has lost, like the God conversation. To me, that's the conversation that doesn't hold any weight anymore that, you know, Jesus loves you and died for your sins. Well, unfortunately, our culture doesn't really think that sin is a thing uh, or, or certainly that they're not sinners. Right. Um, and if they are, they definitely don't need a redeemer. And so that's the conversation I think that's lost some power for sure in um, post-Christendom, post-modern, uh, urban Canada like we are in Toronto. And so to change the conversation, to understand, like, do you, have you ever really heard about like who Jesus was and what Jesus did and like what Jesus did for you and how he's created you for really amazing purposes? I mean, that's a different conversation. So I think, you know, to, to understand, in some ways, ease the pressure of having to have all the answers and having to have it all figured out and to instead have the conversation point at Jesus. I mean, that's like, that's the goal of everything that we want our lives to be about, right? It's to point at Christ, his name, his kingdom, his glory. And, but so many people, I think in, in our, in our context, I mean, they've never really even heard the truth about who Jesus is. And so be somebody that talks about Jesus. That's that to me, that's a different conversation than share the gospel with your friends, tell them about their sin and how mm-hmm. Jesus died for them. 
Mm-hmm. That's crucially important. It's vitally important. But I don't know if the conversation needs to start there. Start there. Yeah. No, I think that's um, that's powerful. And um, I, I think a lot of times it's really being real with the people that God has placed around you mm. um, to, you know, not just share, you know, the highlight reel of your life, right? Yeah. But also just, yeah. say, hey, you know, this is some of those things I struggle with. You're some of the yeah. things that I've, you yeah. know, but here's how God helps me through that. Here's how my relationship with Christ makes a difference uh, in how I, you know, react to those areas of failure and weaknesses in my life and how how God gives me the grace and the strength, you know? Uh, The last thing I might add to that is, and and I'll I'll use, I'll use an example to talk about this is like, man, this is not, this is not a one-time conversation. And if the person doesn't say yes to Jesus, we never go back. mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, this is not about me, please. But, you know, I've got a friend who, we've been in conversations about faith for 20 years since we were in high school together. She and I have had conversations about Jesus, conversation about faith, about spirituality. And um, just recently in the last month, she's finally been able to say yes, that she believes Jesus is real. And she now needs to understand what it means for her personally and how to live a life of faith. Wow. 20 years. And so, wow. I mean, I've, I'm, I've been wrecked the last little while in these conversations with her, but if I'd had conversations 20 years ago and then just said, well, like she didn't say yes to the gospel. So it's time to move on, man. She, I mean, I'm not kidding. She has had nobody else in her life for the last 20 years to talk about Christ. And so to see, Oh man, just finally some sort of fruit coming out in her life and to dream about, Oh man, now what, now that she's yes said yes to Jesus and is hopefully going to cross the line to faith, man, what, how does that change her own family trajectory and her community and the impact that she can have um, in some of the things that she's doing is, is pretty awesome. So I mean, the third thing I would say is don't give up, just continue faithfully, man. Just if, if you, if there's people that God puts on your heart, just, Oh man, stay in conversation with them. Don't give up because it's worth it. Yeah. And you're really called to journey with people. Yeah. Uh, for as long as God places them um, yeah. in your circle of influence, right? So Chris, okay, from coming to faith in Christ to discovering uh, all that God has for you, uh, you know, so from that retreat at, in grade 12 to the pastor of sites and services, how <laughs> that happened? How, I mean, you know, did you, did you know you'd be pastor of sites and services at 17 or was this sort of not part of the plan? I'm not, I'm not sure. Like uh, I wanted to be part of the plan right now. No, it's, I mean, no, you never, I think that's the beauty of the Christian life is, you know, nobody goes from, Hey, I'm a baby Christian to the next day. God saying, well, here's all that I have for you. And I mean, you, you alluded to it earlier. And I mean, that's the story. You say yes to the opportunity in front of you and you, you get terrified and, man, Lord, I need you. God, I can't do this in my own strength. I don't want to do it in my own strength. Well, I do want to do it in my strength, but I know I can't. So I need you, please. And, and then to see what comes next and to see what comes next. And so I think that's just, that's just the trajectory of my life and, and, and God continuing to, to bring together this uh, collision of like my musical ability, uh, my love for the church. I love the church as messed up and broken and beautiful as she is. Uh, to me, there's nothing like the church. I love her so much. And, you know, this, this place that leadership plays and this role of needing leaders and the gift of leadership. And so how do those three things combine? Musical ability, love for the church and leadership. Well, worship leaders, a thing. So, you know, for, for 25 years, that's sort of what I've been is primarily leading worship and uh, leading the church in worship and leading worship leaders and leading worship teams and songwriting and leading kind of these mini movements and equipping worship leaders. Like that's just been the heartbeat of my life ever since uh, I became a Christian and, and to, you know, I get to lead worship in my youth group and then I get to lead worship on Sunday morning. And then I get to lead worship in Ottawa for some citywide things. And then I'm, I'm working at camp. So I get to lead worship at camp and uh, I go to university and uh, on campus, I get to lead worship and then I get in a band and we travel around and lead worship and end up doing that for a bunch of years. And, and then, you know, a very clear call to local church ministry. So since 2005, I've been in full-time local church ministry. It's what I do with, with my life and full-time hours and um, leading worship and building up worship leaders and now overseeing leaders who lead leaders 
Um, and at the same time, just continually waving this flag of um, creativity and, you know, exploring this whole creative side of who God has made us to be. Uh, and still like within the context of the local church, I just can't get away from how amazing the church is. And yet at the same time, man, it's not easy. It's not, it's not a piece of cake. And, you know, God really has wired me as a leader. So how do I continue to just allow those three things to like continually bubble up in my life, not just as a worship leader, but as a pastor leading other staff, um, being, you know, in, in strategic conversations about what is the next five years look for us as a church? Uh, just all the time. How do we, how do we get our, get our minds around that? But I think, I mean, the short version is just, I've, I've, as best as I can, I've tried to say yes when I, when I really believe God is calling me to take a step forward. Mm -hmm. And there are times that I've said yes out of my own like selfish ambition. Um, and there's times that I think I've said yes when God has, has wanted to really teach me some significant things. But I think for the most part, being willing to say yes when I believe God's called me to step forward. We were talking about this yesterday in, with some of our staff and about like how do we help people in the context of discipleship, discover their spiritual gifts and all that stuff. And I think my own personal observation, what I've seen, not just in my own life, but in, in people that I've been able to pastor is like God very rarely reveals his plans to people who are sitting on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need seasons where we rest and we Sabbath and God speaks like deep heart, soul things to us. Those are really, really important. But I think for the most part, we discovered the things that God has for us by saying yes to what God has for us. And we take some, and sometimes it's like, oh no, <laughs> I said yes to that thing. And that's very clearly not the thing that I'm gifted at. I mean, I remember early in, in some ministry times where I was given opportunities to, to teach and I'm not, a, I'm, I do not have the gift of teaching. It's not my thing. I love serving people. I love equipping people. But you, I mean, I'm not the one who should get booked to stand in front of a large crowd of people and teach the Bible. Now, I, understand, I need to know the Bible. I need to communicate scripturally about things. But by saying yes to some of those things, I discovered very early on, well, this is not an area of focus for me. Um, and so I was able then to redirect attention in different areas. But I think it's just that, just saying, you know, saying yes to the things that God places before you and seeing, oh, is this something that that God would have for me next and paying attention to the things that I'm passionate about. Mm. I think, so, I think sometimes in, we, we play this card where like, you know, God wouldn't ask you to do the things that you love to do. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah. God created you in a way to love certain things. And I, I was a musician before I was a Christian. So was I supposed to give up my love for music out of my love for Christ? Oh, like God made me as a human who loved music and really connected with creativity. And now as a follower of Christ, I can leverage that love uh, in a whole bunch of different ways. So I think like, yeah, pay attention to passion areas, say yes to things that God's calling you to and, and understand how, you know, the way that you're wired, the way that you're gifted can be used to, to serve him as you move forward in that. That's good. You know, I think um, of Joshua, actually, and when the Lord said to him, be strong and courageous. And he said, again, I say to you, be strong and courageous, right? And so, you know, when you're talking about being able to say yes, it's, it's going, it's that sense of be strong and courageous in Christ and what Christ has called you to do. Because unless you begin to move you know, like you said, you sit back and we often wait for God where God's actually mm. waiting on us to take that mm. step of faith. So just if, if there's somebody out there who's kind of in that place, so mm. they're like, you know, I know that this is ahead of me or mm. this is, I can see this, but I, I'm not quite sure what the end result's going to be or if it's going to work out. So what would you say to them to be able to take, say that yes, to be able to go, okay, God, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward in this call that you have. Yeah. And i and some of this is, you know, there are times where like we, ha we do have genuine fears in our life and those aren't pretend fears and anything that I would say isn't going to like be the quick fix to getting over those fears. And there are times when we need like people to really help us unpack why we're afraid about things. Uh, I've gone through seasons in my life where I've gone through counseling and, um, 
you know, just helped navigate some of the things that were really holding me back. At the same time, I mean, I, I've never, I shouldn't say never, I've not seen it in my own life where God reveals the full picture and says, oh, and that here are the next 10 steps along the way, right? God's word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. We just get to see like the next little step forward. And, and yet we have to believe that the steps that God is asking us to take are leading in a direction that he is fully aware of and fully is, is ready for us to succeed in. And at the same time is also fully ready for us to fail because failure is part of the human story and our struggle. And if, you know, if you're only saying yes to things that you know you're going to succeed in, where's the faith in that? Where's the courage in that? I mean, personally, I mean, you bring up that be strong and courageous. I mean, courage is the journey that I'm on right now. And it's the thing that I'm finding I'm really having to speak into the lives of some other, of our leaders and, and the pastors that I work with here. Not because we're afraid, but I, just as a reminder that like in leadership, the first place we have to lead is with ourselves. Right. If, if I really know God has called me to this, before I can go and call other leaders or call our worship teams or call other people to go do this, I have to be willing within myself to say, yeah, God is calling us to that. And I'm putting my full faith and confidence in that. Mm -hmm. Like I need courage to do that. I need the faith to say yes yeah. to that before I can ask anyone else to do it. And so I pray all the time. Um, I mean, I pray this for our pastor publicly. I pray this for myself just to, to be given the faith and the courage to walk out the things that we know God is calling us to do. Mm. Man, that's a tough, that's a tough road. It's, it's really difficult. Um, because I mean, there's so much uncertainty and fear is a real thing and we don't want to fail. And you know, in, in leadership, there are other people who are counting on us at the same time. I think we look and, and we see, you know, there is, there's never the expectation from the Lord that we're going to live life perfectly. And there's never the expectation we're never going to fail. And in fact, if we're never stepping out in places where we might fail, there is no faith. It is in our own strength. We, we did a whole sermon series last year on the book of first Peter and first Peter four, eight has become a huge ministry verse for me this year that we would serve out of the strength that God gives, not out of our own strength, not out of our own desires, not out of anything other than what he gives. And so I pray that for myself every week, every Sunday, I pray that for our worship teams. And we do our little team huddle and our team prayer before service. And I pray that for our teams. God, I want our teams to serve out of the strength that you give. Because the implication is you can serve out of strength and you can also serve, but only to the extent of the strength that God gives you. And God needs to continually re-strengthen us. And so I always pray that for our teams. Like I want them to be walking with courage, with faith, strengthened by the spirit of God, you know, and in the calling that, that God has for us. You know, Chris, one of the things I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, courage and, and, and saying yes and being available. And obviously we're talking here about, you know, people connecting to God's mission for their life and just sort of mm -hmm. hearing how you've come to this place, you know, and before we went on live, uh, we were talking a little bit, I was telling you how I know so many churches that are looking for people that are gifted in areas of music and worship and youth ministry, etc. But I feel that as we look at our landscape in our nation, that there's fewer and fewer younger people yeah. willing to do what you did all those years ago. And I, mm -hmm. I imagine for someone like you, that, like, as you said, was born to do music, was created for music, there were opportunities for you to go elsewhere, to do other things, right? I mean, probably serving God and be serving his church was probably a sacrifice in, in some aspects, maybe from the aspect of fame or from the aspect of finances and, and, and different areas, you know, because sometimes there's more opportunity. Uh, it, it, like if you're driven by opportunity, there's probably more opportunity uh, outside of the church space, especially if you're really good at what you do. Mm. How did you navigate that? How did you say, I mean, it's one thing to say yes, but how about saying no to certain mm. things? How about saying no to some opportunities and doors that are open that look great, but it's not necessarily God or it's not necessarily part of what you're called to do in life. How do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know if someone's got that figured out. 
<laughs> I'll read that book. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a dad now, right? I've got four yeah. kids. And so I'm, I think about that stuff all the time. I mean, I, in some ways, with the age that my kids are, like, I know my kids better than they know themselves. Right. And so I start to think down the road of some of my kids 10 years and like, oh, man, I hope you don't go down that path. Or I know you right. don't want to do this. And I hope you do that. Or like, man, I, I hope you never do that. Or, and, and so I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I did have... I did have a very clear call to local church ministry. And I mean, the truth is there are some days when like, that's all that keeps me hanging on is I just have this conviction to my core that the Lord has asked me to do this. Hmm. Uh, I I think probably, you know, there, there was a generation where every pastor would say that I had a, I had a pastoral call. Yeah. And now I think, you know, the way that churches operate in the churches were in the, in the, by the nature of ministry. Now we want people who, if you have a, if you work at a church, you should love the church. You shouldn't be working at a church just for a job, but are there people who are going to work at a church for a season of their life without sort of this deep pastoral call to ministry? I think so. I think so. Um, so how do you navigate that man? I, yeah, I'm not sure. The, the blessing I, I really feel for me was um, God had really did have this, this call for my life for local church ministry. And the truth is, I mean, it's all, it's really all I've wanted to do for the last 20 years is just serve the church and lead people in worship and help raise up leaders to do the same thing. Let me ask the question this way. What's the spiritual formation required Mm. to have that deep sense of call? So by the way, I'm not talking about those who are not called. I'm just saying, let's assume we have, you know, 10 people that are called. There's no doubt God has called them to the local church, but they're struggling. They're like, do I do this? Do I yeah. commit yeah. myself to this? What's the spiritual formation that's required behind the scenes to make sure you're able to stick to what, where God is leading you and where God's going? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say for me, like the primary thing that I'm most grateful for uh, is around mentorship and just being able to have mentors. I, mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I grew up really without a dad mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful. Um, uh, basically as soon as I got connected with the local church, part of that journey for me was I had older male role models. uh, Some of them who are still very significant mentors for me. Um, And I think, you know, mentorship, we've always thought of like, well, there's a young man and there's an old man and you spend hours and hours and years and years getting to know each other. And that mentor speaks into area, every area of that young man's life. The beauty to me, and this is, this plays back in the technology theme. The beauty for me is that mentorship is so much easier now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we, what we started to see and what we can see is that mentorship, I mean, I have multiple mentors in my life. I have a marriage mentor. I have a pastoral mentor. I have a worship leading mentor. Um, and so you don't need to have one mentor and one mentee, and there's a lifelong every area of life. But I, you know, I would say if you're in your late teens, early 20s, and there is a sense that, hey, maybe God has called me to this, what does this look like? There are people out there who will help you discover that. And I mean, do a, do a one month or a three month volunteer internship at a church and just say like, can I understand how this works? We're, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always reminded when we have younger staff who work with us for the summer or whatever. And, and they're so surprised that we, as pastors, we do more than just sit around and pray and read the Bible all day. Like there's actual work to be done. Mm-hmm. And so there is a call pastorally to disciple and pastor and shepherd people, but there's some, there's a, bunch, a lot of work to get done and there's meetings and there's uh, performance reviews and there's budget and there's all that stuff that goes into it. So, you know, what's, what's the role of mentorship in your life as you begin to explore that? Um, you know, the, the, just this, the discipline of, of continuing to build a relationship with the Lord. I don't have a different relationship with Jesus because I'm a pastor uh, versus if I wasn't. I mean, I, to, it's a no-brainer. It's sort of a, a general assumption. It's like, it's like the pay-to-play values that, you know, I've got to be daily in Scripture, daily in prayer, daily seeking what the Lord has for my life. Um, and in the same way, like, I, not everyone has the blessing of being married. I have the blessing of being married. And so my wife is the, you know, a, a great way that the Lord speaks to me often that marriage relationship um, is one of the things that like continually shapes who I am and how I follow Jesus and um, how we're in relationship together to display the glory of God to our, our community around us. So, and none of that stuff becomes less important because I'm a pastor. If anything, it becomes more important. Yeah. 
that's awesome. I think the, especially talking about, you know, mentorship and uh, in my life, stepping into ministry, I stepped into ministry sort of like you, right? From high school, I knew I wanted to be in ministry and just finding those people, going after them, you know, yeah. walking up, you know, meeting, saying, hey, I'll, I'll pay for lunch, you know, yeah. can we do coffee and just, you know, that, that hunger and that desire to, to be around people that will influence you uh, in, that, in that direction. I mean, they can't give you the call. But if you know you're called, they can definitely help encourage you and uh, maybe share some experiences from their life that'll help you stay the course when things get really difficult. You know, um, Chris, just to wrap up a couple of quick things. One, if you're speaking to a young person, younger person, young adult who is a creative and feels like they're in a, maybe a traditional church context or a church context where, uh, you know, that creative side of you know who they are is not necessarily uh, visibly celebrated. You know, it's not obvious that people you know a church is looking for people that have this gift in either worship or music or arts or whatever. Um, how would you? What would you say to them? How would you encourage them uh, to 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 get involved at their church or just at the in the church as a whole? Because I I, I sort of look at our world today. I'm saying. And, and you know, made a, you made a good point about not everyone feels called to be a quote unquote pastor. And I think that's true. And I think, I think we can pastor uh, people differently today than, than, you know, than back in the day, you know, and, and definitely through media, that's a huge way. And the arts is a huge way that the church can step in and begin to influence people that would otherwise not really pay a lot of attention to church. You know what I mean? So how, how what would you say, well, how would you encourage that young creative person that's a believer, not called to full-time ministry or anything, but just, hey, you can add your strength to what God is doing through the local church in Canada. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the core, I would say the, the primary calling in a local church context is to serve your pastor. Hmm. And a lot of times, you know, the question when it comes to me the agenda of serving your pastor is not there. It's gone beyond that. Mm. The, you know, artists tend to, especially young artists, late teens, early twenties. I mean, it's restless. You got tons of great ideas. Your ideas are the best ideas. Uh, the pastor's old and is out of touch and his ideas are no good. <clears throat> and my encouragement usually to, to younger leaders, younger artists, you don't, you don't know the whole story. There are things going on that your pastor can't talk to you about. And so, you know, if, if you're a musician and you want to perform a song in a service and your pastor says no to you, he may not be able to tell you all the reasons why he has to say no to you. The hard part is all you hear is the no. And so, and this is where like, this is where the hard work happens. Are you willing to hear no and stay and serve your pastor? Wow. Man, it's tough. It's really tough. The beauty to me of sort of faithful longevity is when, as we serve each other and, and the Christian life is about mutual submission. It's not about authority and, and people who are pastors holding authority over younger leaders or people who are in submission to them, but mutual submission is that, you know, as we serve one another, then out of trust and love and relationship opportunities happen. I would also say there is nothing wrong with showing your pastor how the creative work that you're doing is impacting people. So if you're an artist and uh, you're able, you're a painter and you've got work on display in a gallery, if you're able to show that to your pastor and to say, Hey, this work was on display and these are the conversations that happened with people in this gallery. Man, I would love to know that as a pastor, that somebody with some level of talent displayed their creative work publicly and it led to conversations of faith. Whoa, that, that now there's some, there's some uh, discipleship material that we can start talking to. The third thing, you know, and this, this is, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know if this is last resort, but I think there is a, there is a um, re-education opportunity for older pastors. The truth is pastors who are my age 40 and up 
part of what we have to be willing to do is to give opportunity to younger leaders and to younger creators. And in some ways, like we've got to give over the keys in some, in some places. Mm -hmm. So what can a younger creative do? I mean, the last, last resort would be tell your pastor to call me <laughs> and we'll talk <laughs> about how we can find opportunities for young creatives. It doesn't mean that they get, they get the prime location in the big event. It might be a small opportunity. It might be, hey, what if, you, what if you hung your paintings? What if you gave the opportunity to that young artist to hang three paintings in a hallway for three Sundays and they just stood there? and see what the conversations might happen. You don't need to go, uh, you don't need to all of a sudden unleash <laughs> this like, what you might feel like is a really risky creative work in a huge environment. There are some small things that we can do as pastors to give opportunities to young creatives that actually help to build trust and build relationship and show that it's not always it's not all about the pastor being in control of everything there are times where we can give up some of that stuff so that ultimately and this kind of leads a little bit back to your last question i mean i really believe there are we do have a responsibility in pastors of my generation to to give the keys over to younger leaders so that they at least have the idea that that local church ministry could be an option in the future. Not, it's not the only option, but that it could be an option. Well, the only way they're going to discover that is, is if they get a chance to try it, test drive it. Um, and, and as pastors, we're responsible to like set the guardrails for that a little bit. So that's, that's a, that's a separate rant. We won't go there this time. That's a whole other conversation, but I, no, that's, I, I have conversations with the young creatives and with the older pastors on both sides of those topics. It was, it was interesting because that was going to be my second question is what would you say to the pastors, but you've answered yeah. that already. And I was also thinking as you were talking, you have that benefit of sort of being in between those two generations at this yeah. point that yeah. you speak to both and have the year of both. And I think uh, uh, that's a great role. And uh, well, I guess we'll have to give out your phone number now. So uh, a bunch <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> Hey, chrisfashion.com. People can contact me that way. But I do think, you know, um, so I'm 40. When I was 25, I had lots of ideas about how to do ministry. Now that I'm 40, it's not necessarily that my ideas are all that different. I just have more power now. Mm. And I get to set the budget. And I get to set direction. So I, so I have to consciously think now, who are the 25-year-olds with really great ideas right. that as a leader – I can clear the way for them. I can actually use my power to create more opportunities for younger leaders. Man, that's tough. It's really tough. And, and it only gets harder as I get older in this, man, it gets a lot, it gets more comfortable to have more power, not in, in a malicious way. Uh, I just need to work harder to look for more opportunities for younger leaders who don't have power and who don't have control over the budget and don't have much authority. How can I use the opportunity? I've got to clear the way for them because the church that we are going to be in the future is not going to be led by 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year old leaders can be led by these 20, 25, 30 year old leaders who have great ideas, great ideas. And God, we need to create room as, as leaders to open up opportunity for them so they can step forward and begin to lead and lead in significant ways and being given significant opportunities so that God can use them to impact this generation, the next generation, generations beyond that. Wow. Chris, I think, uh, you are um, an inspiration to uh, to uh, to our nation and to I think the next generation that's coming up in our nation as well. And I think, uh, as you said, your experience and what you're doing there at C4 is definitely something that will speak uh, speak to a lot of a um, lot of pastors, a lot of senior pastors, a lot of churches that have been doing things you know one way for a long time and need to start to sort of explore different opportunities uh, that God probably wants them to, uh, to move into uh, through the, the talents and giftings that are right in their church. And many times just not, you know, they just don't have the opportunity. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. And um, why don't you just tell everyone once again, how they can find you, how they can connect with you, where your blog is, your email, whatever information uh, you can give out. Yeah, chrisfashion.com. Chris at chrisfashion.com is my email. And then on social media, Chris from Canada. That was a, that's a whole other story where that's Chris really from Canada. Chris from Canada. It just becomes way easier to spell than Chris Fashion. How do you spell it? Okay, yeah. So Chris from Canada uh, on social media, but chrisfashion.com. And then here at C4, c4church.com. And we're happy to share 
anything that God's doing here, anything that, you know, we've tried to figure out along the way, if it's helpful for somebody else, we're more than happy to share. Awesome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the time. So Emily, uh, that was obviously a great podcast, Mm -hmm. a little longer than we usually go, but I thought it was worth every minute uh, as uh, Chris was sharing his incredible story and this journey of how he discovered God's mission for his life. And even what, how, you know, uh, he's helping others now discover God's mission for their life and the influence that he is. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was very fascinating when he talked about being, you know, that sort of intergenerational, you know, being able to bridge yes. between the, the next generation coming up and the pastors who are maybe a little older than himself and, and leading churches today and how to, how to engage the generations together. I thought that was significant. Yeah, and just how, you know, in the, in this ministry that he, or in his role in ministry and how it's developed and how God, you know, has taken him from creative arts and worship pastor and then started moving him into these different areas that he's able to just expand because he, you know, here he started off here and now God's using him in different ways because of of what he's done and, and the experience that he's gathered in all this and, and his willingness to just really go, my heart is for the church. So God use me in whatever capacity. Yeah. I loved what he said about being in love with the local church. I think that was significant. And uh, I just want to encourage all of our listeners that, Hey, uh, at the end of the day, God's plan of redemption for the world is through the local church. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's significant. Yeah, so again, if they want to get connected to him, it's Chris from Canada on his social media. And there he's from C4 Church in Durham. Um, so those are ways that they can get connected. And again, it was he mentioned it in the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And also he's got a website. It's chrisvache.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-V-A-C-H-E-R.com. And it's really a leadership and uh, creative uh, blog that I think uh, will have a lot of great resources for those that are, uh, that are interested. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, today's Mission Connect podcast. Uh, please make sure to check out our ministry uh, page at passiontoreach.com. Also, you can email us. And we'd always love to hear from you. Mission Connect at passiontoreach.com. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.